talking today, if you have ever spent any time thinking about power, this concept of power in our world, that is what it is, who gets it, how is it used? I know I can think of a variety of forms of power in our world. Of course, there's the power that comes when I flip the switch on the wall and my lights come on. Or maybe more importantly this week when my air conditioner turns on, which we all pray it continues to do, right? There's also power that's held by fictional characters that we might read about or we might see on TV. Maybe like Harry Potter as he throws spells around and, and saves the world through that, or Iron Man as he puts his hand in the air and goes off and helps people save the world and all of that. There's also this amazing power that is held in a child's imagination. Maybe as they wrap themselves in an invisibility cloak, currently inspired by the aforementioned Harry Potter, and they run around the house seeing what it's like if nobody could see them and the things that they could do. There's also the power to enact laws and pass legislation. There's also the power to lead organizations or run committees. The power to say yes and also the power to say no. And there is the power to change lives by the choices that we make. So whether we realize it from day to day, from moment to moment, I think our lives are full of all different kinds of power, and we get to hold some of that power. Now, I mention this because our passage today, that reading that Les shared with us from Isaiah 43, in that passage, nowhere in it does it say the word power. But I happen to think that this is what it is all about. Of course, the power, though, that we read about here is not a power that's like anything else in our world. This is the power that comes through God, and it comes in love. It is about the way that God sees us, and it's about the way that God chooses us to be in relationship with him, the way that God sees us. Now to see this a little bit more clearly, I actually think it's helpful to go back in the text just a little bit. So I would invite you to look at the book um, of Isaiah. You can use your pew Bibles or if you have your device with you and have your Bible on it, go ahead and look that up. It's on page 658. Looking at the context sometimes really helps us to see the ways and what, is, what these words are being spoken into. So we're going to start at Isaiah 42, verse 22. Here the prophet says, This is a people robbed and plundered. All of them are trapped in holes and hidden in prison. They have become a prey with no one to rescue, a spoil with no one to say, restore. Who among you will give heed to this? Who will attend and list for the time to come? Who gave Jacob to the spoiler and Israel to the robbers? Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned, in whose ways we would not walk and whose law we would not obey? In this passage, the, peop the prophet is speaking to the people, 
to, and he's speaking about the people, and he's also including himself in this. And these are words of lament. The prophet is pointing out the people's sin. He is accusing them of never listening to God and not trying to live into God's ways. These words are meant to convict those who hear them to open their eyes to what they've done and what they are continuing to do. So given that, given that these are words of accusation and almost rebuke from the prophet, it's surprising what these next few verses say. Les read it for us before, but these words are so important to understand who we are in God's eyes that I would like you to look at them in your Bibles and hear them once again. Beginning with verse one of chapter 43, God says through the prophet, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. Now if anyone in this wide world of ours has any power at all, it is certainly God. And we see here that God uses the power that he has, not for rebuke, not for condemnation, but for love for compassion, for forgiveness. Did you happen to hear all of those verbs in this passage, those action words? It says created and formed and redeemed and called and honored and loved. These are not static words, these are words of action, words that are active and continual and absolutely unnegotiable. God's love goes so deep for us that even our worst sins cannot change it. This is, of course, the story of all of Scripture, where God's love is reiterated time and time again for us. Created and formed, two of the verbs that we have in this passage are the same form of that, that verb in Hebrew as what we find in the very first chapter of Genesis when we hear that God breathed God's own breath into humankind, God gave us God's self. And when the people chose to sin, when humankind sinned against God, God did send them out of the garden, yes. But God did not send them out alone, God went with them. And very soon after that, we hear the story of the Israelites who literally wandered around in the desert for 40 years because of their sin. They just couldn't, mess, couldn't stop messing up. They were building idols and worshiping them. They were complaining about God who had saved them from slavery. And yet, God continually 
brought them back into relationship with him. God continually showed them the power of love. And of course, we see Jesus also use the power that he had for love throughout the world. He fed the people who were following him relentlessly even when he probably just wanted to take a nap. And he ate with sinners. He sat down at the table with people who would, nobody else would sit with, the outcasts and the sinners. He continued to show compassion as he healed the sick. And of course, the ultimate show of God's power and love is when Jesus died on the cross for us. When Jesus took on our sin so that we could be forgiven and free and truly know the power of God's love. And in the empty tomb where we receive the promise of eternal life. Now, as I said earlier when we gathered, this is the beginning of a new routine. This is our fall schedules, our things are getting busy, not just here in the church, but out in the world. And as we enter into this time where we feel like we're running from one place to the other all the time, we're coming back intentionally to what our values are so that those can be the basis, the foundation of everything we do out in the world. Last week in Pastor Greg's sermon, he said something that I really think is worth repeating. He said, you either choose your values and then let them shape how you spend your time or you spend your time and how you do that ends up shaping your values. Our values in this life should indeed shape what we do, but they should also be shaping how we do it. We have our mission statement here at Sheridan and we say it together every single week. And this mission statement is not just for us here in this place, but it is meant to be a springboard for us. It's meant to give us a clear vision of how we go out of this place and how we live out our values that God has given to us. And the very first value that we state in that mission statement is to love deeply. And our example of this, as we've seen, comes from our very source of life. It comes from the one who has said to us, I have called you by name, you are mine. The one who has said to us, you are precious to me, you are honored by me. The one who said, I love you. Make no mistake, each and every one of us has power in this world and we have the power to choose how we use it. God has shown us that we are to use the power that we have to love deeply. And that is simply because we have received that from God first. We know in this world that some powers will fade, some powers will simply fall away, but the power of love that comes in going out into the world and loving deeply is not one of them. Loving deeply happens when we care for one another despite our own failings, despite our own perceived shortcomings. To love deeply is to serve one another selflessly. 
To love deeply is to look outside of ourselves and look to not just what is best for me, but what is best for all of us who share this world with us. To love deeply is not only to have compassion for another, but it is the power that helps us to act on that compassion. To love deeply is to be shaped by God's values and the ones that God upholds for us. So then the question for us becomes, will we take the time necessary to love deeply in this world? Will we just simply breeze by those opportunities to love deeply because our schedules are just too full and there's too much for us to do? Or will we take those opportunities to heart? Will we embrace this value and live it first and foremost in our lives? Truth be told, there are so many days that I would really rather just harness the power that comes in imagination. When I would rather just wrap myself in that cloak of invisibility and be able to ignore the hard realities of our world. But that is simply not what God has asked us to do. God calls us to go out into the world to live the values that we say we uphold and that God has taught us. God has called us to the power that comes from grace and most especially from love. So go, go out into our world. Go and live your values and love deeply. Thanks be to God. Amen.